Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. a series on the subject of identity, and uh, I think what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks is going to be something that's going to help help us immensely because we're going to build on a lot of the things that we've already been talking about, but I believe with all of my heart, especially in light of everything that has uh, just transpired over the last week, especially there in Israel, man, I couldn't think of a more timely and helpful series of messages we're going to be talking about than this subject of spiritual warfare. And so we're having a, a series of messages, we're calling it Engage. And we're going to be learning how to basically win the daily battles in our spiritual life. And whether we realize it or not, we face a real enemy. In fact, the um, tragedy that occurred, that the attack that occurred there in Israel uh, this past week, uh, officially there on October the 7th, if anything, was just a reminder that we have, we have an opposing force. There is a real spiritual adversary that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think sometimes we have a tendency, even as Christians, to kind of downplay that. In fact, studies even show, in fact, in a recent um, study that was conducted by Barna Research even show that 60% of Americans don't even believe in a devil. And, and, and yet, when you see all of the things that happen in our nation and around the world, I mean, how could you not wrap your mind and believe in a literal devil in the sense that there is a spiritual opposition, a spiritual force that is working to oppose God, to oppose you, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. And for us to downplay that or dismiss that or maybe see that as something that is not relevant or important to our daily lives, we are living in denial. We are living in deception. We are living a lie. And so we do face a real enemy, and sadly and unfortunately, those even inside the church who claim the name of Jesus don't know how to fight effectively when it comes to the warfare and the fiery darts that our enemy, the adversary, wants to use to trip us up. And that's the reason why the Christian life is not a playground, it is a battleground. And because of that, we also need to be reminded that when we fight the spiritual battle, we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from a place of victory because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? So today, we're going to be learning some things as it relates to the spiritual battles that we face. Because there are really two spheres that we live in. We live in the natural and the spiritual. But we also live in the unseen and the seen world. We, we, we are facing spiritual adversaries, there is an atmosphere of darkness, there is a legitimate strategy and scheme that the, de that the devil, the enemy, wants to use to take us down. And he has a mission statement, and I shared this in our last series, and it simply reads in John 10.10, 10, the enemy, the devil, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, what does that really mean? That simply means that he wants to rob you of everything good that God wants to give you and bless you with. And not only does he want to steal from you, but ultimately wants to kill the potential inside of you. God knows what he's planted inside of you. And the devil wants anything, he wants nothing more than for you to, to never realize or reach your full redemptive potential that God has placed inside of you. And he ultimately wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. He wants to destroy your life. That is his mission. And that's the reason why Jesus said, But I have come that you may have life and experience it to the full. So how can we live in this fullness? How can we live victoriously? How can we live in victory each and every day? 
Well, in order for us to do that, we not only have to realize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, but we also know we need to know how to effectively fight the spiritual battles that we face. And so with that, we're calling this series called Engage, because we need to know how to effectively engage the spiritual adversary. And so in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, and I would encourage you, you ought to just read this at your own leisure. Literally just read specifically beginning in verse 10, but just begin to read Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to unpack the six pieces of armor referred to as the armor of God over the coming weeks. But here's what I want to share with you because the Apostle Paul wrote this book of Ephesians. It was a letter that he wrote while he was in Rome serving basically his death sentence. He was in a Roman prison cell. And while he was there in this prison cell, he was chained to a Roman centurion, a soldier. So as you can imagine, as Paul, the apostle, was writing a letter to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, living in this place known as Ephesus, which happened to also be a church made up of a group of people. In fact, Paul, the apostle, helped birthed that church there in Ephesus during his third missionary journey. So now he's in prison for preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And as he's chained to this Roman centurion, he begins to observe the armor. Basically what the soldier was wearing from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And so therefore, as he's looking at the armor of this Roman soldier, he begins to articulate and use military metaphor and military language, if you will, to describe exactly how those believers in Ephesus were to apply that same kind of armor to their spiritual lives so that they could live in victory and withstand all of the attacks of the evil one. So we pick it up in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and following. It says, finally. So he's wrapping up his letter. And these are his final words. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So he is basically saying... Each and every day, just like you got up this morning and you put on some clothes, in the same way, we have to get up every day and we've got to be intentional. We've got to put some thought into putting on our spiritual armor. Before we go out the door, before we go off to work, get our kids off to school, whatever it is that we're doing, we've got to put on the full armor the spiritual armor of God. Now, why is that important? Because the devil, who's out to steal, kill, and destroy, has got schemes. In other words, he's got strategies designed to work against you. Designed to lure you into some things I'm going to be talking about a little further here in just a second. But he has strategies that he is using strategically, intentionally. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your vulnerabilities. He also knows your strengths. And he will do anything and everything he can to destroy you. He will do anything and everything he can to keep you from living this full, victorious life that Christ has come to give you. For he goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So let me just unpack this for just a moment because I, I think this is really, really important for us to understand. And not just understand, but most importantly, know how to apply to our everyday spiritual life. Now here are some of the ways that our enemy, the devil, basically uses some of these spiritual forces. In other words... There are spiritual forces, the scripture says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against other people. We don't fight against other people. But we do fight against a spiritual enemy. He has demonic powers. There are demonic influences. 
that not only are opposed to God, but they are also in opposition to you, especially if Christ lives in you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So therefore, because of that, you're going to be under attack. So it's important that we realize not just what the devil does, but ultimately how he does it. And there are five things. Number one, if you're taking notes, and I'm just going to fly through these as quickly as I can. Number one is this. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. So the very first thing the devil wants to do is he wants to blind the minds of unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says it this, this way. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So therefore, the devil wants to keep people's minds closed to the truth of the Word of God. The devil wants to do anything and everything he can to create a sense of confusion so that people will reject the truth. So will people will, dis, will dis, dismiss the truth and ultimately keep their minds closed to the truth of who God is and specifically who his son Jesus Christ is. So with that in mind, he uses deception, he uses lies to keep people from hearing, knowing, and ultimately believing the truth of God. The second thing is he steals God's word from people. You know, the scripture says it this way in Matthew 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away which is sown in his heart. You probably have heard about the parable of the, of the soils. There are different types of soils that Jesus used in this particular parable. And he's talking about the, the stony soil. It's the hardened path, if you will, where the seed of the word of God basically falls on the, the hardened path, which basically means the, the heart. But if the condition is hardened, the seed can't take root. But it talks about how the birds will come and basically take the seed that is sown. And what does it do? It, this, the birds will snatch it away. It's exactly what the enemy will do. He wants to snatch the truth away from the hearts of those who desperately need to know about the truth of Jesus Christ. I cannot begin to tell you how many times I have tried to share my faith with someone and in the, literally in the, in the conversation, something will happen that will distract that person from being able to listen to me or suddenly will, something will happen that will disrupt the conversation and oftentimes the conversation comes to an end simply because the person is being distracted, being called away and therefore we don't get to finish the conversation. They don't get to hear the good news. And the reason why, because the enemy is working hard to fight against that, to snatch the truth away. And I've witnessed it time and time again. Not only that, he sets traps to ensnare us. You know, the scripture says, says it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. And again, this is Paul telling young Timothy about the importance of sharing the good, the good news and, and sharing the truth. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. It's interesting to me how the enemy will trap people. He will ensnare them. And whether it's through things such as temptation, whether it be lust, whether it be addictions, gambling, you know, pornography. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Entertainment. Whatever distractions he can use to get people basically to, to lure them into a trap, it's exactly what he does. And we've all been there. We've all taken the bait. Another thing the enemy does is that he fights to stop you. In, in fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, it says it this way. For we wanted to come to you, Paul was saying, I, Paul, did again and again, I tried to come to you in person, in the flesh, but notice, but Satan stopped us. It's interesting to me that the very moment you step out in faith to obey God, to do something, to step outside of your comfort zone, to put your complete trust. Remember what Proverbs 3 teaches? To trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The moment we take that to heart, the moment we step out in faith, put all of our trust in God, we no longer lean on our own understanding, but we are in complete surrender and dependence upon God to do his will by being obedient is the very moment the enemy begins his attack. The very moment he tries to stop you dead in your tracks. I was talking to a friend of mine at our church, and uh, we were talking about this incredible situation and challenge he went through uh, when we were doing our Make Your Mark initiative, when we were you know, raising the funds to uh, purchase our land, to close on our land. And uh, this person was very transparent with me, and, and he shared with me, um, that, that God had put on his heart as it relates to giving a very uh, significant sum of money through a real estate commission. And it was through this real estate commission that, that God had provided and opened this door for him to close on this deal. But it was through that closing of the deal that was going to free him up to be able to give the significant portion of money. He had never done anything like this before, but God had put it on his heart. And as a result of that, he made a commitment and he said, I'm going to make good on this commitment. And the very moment he stepped out in faith to give the largest amount of money he'd ever given before, all hell broke loose in his life. Man, the people started, you know, back peddling on the situation and he he sent me a note and he said I don't know if this thing is going to work out and we kept praying and we kept praying to God be the glory he was able to close the deal and he made good on what God had put in his heart to do and you know what's awesome is that listen the devil did everything he could to get in his way you know what he tried to do? The devil tried to put, I mean, the very moment he started sensing opposition, he started questioning whether he was doing the right thing, whether he was making a wise decision. He began to second-guess himself. He basically was second-guessing on the fact that he stepped out in faith that it was the right thing for him to do. The devil was placing lies in his heart, creating fear and confusion and disruption. Why? Because the enemy did not want him to obey God and to experience the blessing that he has experienced. He told me, he said, you know what, since I've made that commitment, he said, God has given me six other closings. I've never had that all in one month since making good on that commitment. That's the kind of blessing God wants us to experience when we step out in faith and honor and obey him. And the devil knows that. So why in the world would the devil want you to get in on God's goodness and blessings? He wants to stop you from that. Another thing he does is he plans to destroy you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says it this way. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So again, he's always on the lookout. He wants to destroy your reputation. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your friendships, your relationships with people. He wants to destroy everything that is important to you. Why? Because he has a mission. And that mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to just share for a few moments before I turn the corner here with this message and give you some practical application to start unpacking the six pieces of armor in the armor of God. We're not going to unpack all six pieces. We're just going to start with the first one here in just a moment, which is the belt of truth. But before I share the belt of truth, I want to share a verse of scripture with you, and I want to share some things about it that I think is where most people live. And I think that's where many of us are, even in this room here today. Maybe those of you, of you that are watching online, you are a follower of Jesus. I'd be safe to say that most of us in this room, those of you perhaps are watching online, you have a relationship with the Lord. And yet even though you have a relationship with Christ, you know the Lord as your Savior, you've been saved, you still find yourself dealing with a variety of different issues and challenges that are holding you back from being all that God has created you to be. To fulfill everything 
that God has placed inside of you. Which, by the way, is the theme of the entire book of Ephesians. The theme of the book of Ephesians is God's unlimited riches. So God has placed unlimited riches inside of all of us. Again, God, listen, the devil wants to kill the potential. He wants to steal, he wants to rob God's unlimited blessings and riches for you. And what we have to realize is that the enemy, a part of his strategy and scheme, is found right here in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. And it, and it goes like this. The Apostle Paul, once again, now is writing to the church of Corinth. And he says these words. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In other words, we fight with the armor of God. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, which are lies, and every pretension, which is pretending to have powers that he doesn't have, we're speaking of the enemy here, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, the enemy is basically creating lies, telling lies. He's doing everything he can to basically diminish who God is. He wants to keep us away from the truth. And therefore, what God says about you, the truth, we want to, he wants us to take that and to take captive every thought and to make it in obedience to Christ. So let me just unpack that for you. There's a Greek word for the word stronghold. And you ought to just circle that word or put that word down somewhere in your notes, the word strongholds. And the word stronghold basically describes someone who is chained, but the chain that they are chained to isn't even strong enough to hold them down. So in other words, it is a false sense of strength in the fact that we are chained to something and the very strength of the chain is not strong enough to keep us there. But in our mind, we are convinced that it is. Therefore, we are limited. It's kind of like the analogy or the illustration, which I'm sure many of you have heard, about the elephant. When that elephant is in the process of being trained, they will often put basically a chain around, you know, one of its legs and they'll tie it to a stake. And what do they do? They, they basically are training that elephant to begin to realize that there are limitations. But once that elephant begins to realize that that chain is holding them back from being freed up to be able to, to go to other places, what happens? That elephant begins to believe the lie that the stronghold there that is holding them to that stake is limiting him from being able to roam. Even though the chain and the stake is nowhere near strong enough to hold back that powerful, strong animal. And yet the elephant will remain in that, in that sphere of safety. It will, it will remain in that sphere of limitation. Why? Because it is convinced that it can't go anywhere because it is chained. And that is a picture of exactly what God has placed inside of us. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, then who in the world can be against you? Again, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives and dwells inside of you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And yet with that same resurrection power living in us, we are convinced that there are limitations in our lives because of our past, because of addictions, because of failures that we've made, things that we've done, mistakes that we've made, choices that we've made, things that we wish we could go back and delete. Maybe you've gone through the pain of divorce. Maybe you've gone through various addictions in your life. Maybe you have fought anxiety and depression and, and maybe 
the whole identity issue, which we've been talking about in recent weeks. Maybe you just don't see yourself the way God sees you because you have bought into the lie that you are what you've done. And because you are what you've done, you don't deserve a future. Therefore, you have allowed the enemy to place a chain on you in your mind by believing a lie that is not true. But that lie has become truth in your mind. Therefore, there is a stronghold. And that chain is not even near strong enough to hold you back. But you are convinced it is because of what you have done. Because of your insecurity. Because of your failures. And what you need to understand is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has literally broken that chain. Therefore, you are free. You don't have to be bound by the enemy any longer. And yet people will remain in bondage. They will remain being held back and limited rather than walking in the freedom and in the victory that is already available to them through Jesus Christ. Years ago, there was an incident, it was actually specifically in 2002. Some of you may recall this. Um, it was the abduction of the young lady by the name of Elizabeth Smart. And she was the young girl at the time when she was kidnapped. She was 14 years of age. And this man had opened up the window in her home there in uh, Utah, Salt Lake, in the Salt Lake City area, and uh, literally broke into this girl's bedroom and abducted her. He took her, kidnapped her. She was in the room with her sister. And even though the sister, her sister, her younger sister, had seen, had heard, watched everything go on, she was afraid to say anything for the fear of her own life. And so therefore, this kidnapper took Elizabeth and took her away and for nine months abused her, raped her, just a horrific, horrific ordeal. And as you can imagine, you know, there was this incredible search. It was all over the media. And over a period of time, her kidnapper became a little bit more careless and a little bit more brazen in his boldness as he went out in public and he began to take Elizabeth with him. And what's crazy is that she, he would dress her up basically to disguise her appearance because he didn't want anybody to recognize who she was, but he began to get more and more careless over time and even taking her to places such as public restaurants. And one day they were actually in a restaurant and there was a police officer that was nearby and Elizabeth was dressed in the disguise and here she was walking by a police officer. Now get this for just a moment. Walking by a police officer, all she had to do, she was within five feet of this police officer. All she had to do was to simply turn and say, I am Elizabeth Smart. But rather than doing that, you know what she did? She kept quiet. You know why? Because of fear. That fear became a stronghold. And that stronghold had her chained. And that fear, the lie, which caused the fear, became truth in her mind. And that is exactly what happens to a lot of people, even as followers of Jesus Christ. They are this close this close to experiencing victory and freedom through Jesus Christ. Overcoming addictions, listen, overcoming past, overcoming setbacks, overcoming insecurities, overcoming anger, depression, you name it. Whatever it is that's serving as a stronghold that is holding you back, that is limiting you, that has chained you down. The lie that we have believed, we're this close. And yet we continue to live in bondage rather than freedom. Why? Because we have believed a lie that is simply not true. Is this helping anybody today? I'm telling you, this is where the enemy works. He's got schemes. He's got strategies. He wants to stop you. He wants to lure you, trap you. 
Listen, he will do anything and everything he can to rob you from what God wants to give you. Now, what is a stronghold? Just to give you a quick definition. Listen, a, a stronghold is a prisoner locked in deception. Living life by something that is not true. Let me give you another definition. Anything that exalts itself in our minds. Pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. You probably have heard me say this and I'll say it again. What you focus on expands. So therefore, if you focus on lies, those lies begin to expand in your mind. And they become bigger than who God is in your mind. You may believe that God is capable, but in your mind, you think, but you have no idea how big this stronghold is in my life. You just don't realize that the same power, once again, that raised Jesus from the grave is available to you and has already broken the back of the evil one. So listen, today, what we got to realize is that strongholds, here's what they do. They steal our focus. They cause us to feel controlled. They consume our emotional energy. They distract us from our purpose. And they rob us of the life that God intended for us to experience. That's it. And so today, let me ask you a question. Are you walking in freedom? Or are you walking in bondage? Are you being held back? Are you being limited? Is there a stronghold in your life that is keeping you from living and walking in freedom, walking in confidence, walking in victory that is available to you through Jesus Christ? Well, let me give you some things that I think is going to be helpful because it's important that you understand some of these schemes and some of these strategies and specifically the power of a stronghold and what it can do in our lives if we allow it to do just that. But it's a lie that we have chosen to believe. But listen, we've got to attack those lies and we've got to call them out for what they are. And so if you can't name it, then you can't defeat it. So we got to call them out. we got to call those lies out by name. And whatever those lies are, we got to replace those lies with truth. And that is the reason why when the Apostle Paul, once again, he was chained to that Roman centurion. And he's looking at the armor. The very first thing he does is he talks about the belt of truth. So let's engage for just a moment. Going back to... Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of the evil one comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And then after you have done everything to stand, notice, stand firm then with the belt of truth tucked around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the word of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we're going to unpack the rest of the pieces of the armor in the coming weeks. But let me just quickly give you some important, I think some important applications when it, when it comes to what the belt of truth is and how we put on the belt of truth in our lives. So you ready? Number one, I hope you take, write these down. This is so important. Number one is that we have to believe the truth. So how do we put on the truth? We have to believe the truth. Did you know over 2,000 years ago, truth was put on trial? It was put on trial and judged by an audience of people who were believing lies. Six different trials, three, le three legal trials, three religious trials, and there was one man who had the power to veto all the lies. His name was Pontius Pilate. 
But instead, Pilate asked the truth who was standing in front of him. His name was Jesus, and he asked him the question, Do you claim to be the Son of God? And Jesus began to answer the question. And he, Jesus revealed that he was the truth. And then Pontius Pilate, he basically made a claim and he asked the question that still reverberates throughout history today. And it was the question, what is truth? And in that moment, rather than believing the truth who was standing in front of him, he rejected the truth and basically gave it back to the people who believed lies. And those people are the very ones who judged Jesus and who made the decision about Jesus and who ultimately nailed Jesus to the cross all based on lies. And Jesus said these words. He said these words in in. John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, it's interesting is that the word truth in the Greek language is is a word by the, it is pronounced as aletheia. And it refers to a divine revelation and is related to a word that literally means, listen to this, what can't be hidden. So therefore, it conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open, available for all to see with nothing being hidden or obscured. In Hebrew, listen to this, truth is the word emeth, which means firmness, constancy, and duration. This definition implies that an everlasting substance and something can be relied upon. That substance and that someone has a name and his name is Jesus. He cannot be hidden. He is constant. He is steady. He is secure. And that's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the very moment you embrace the truth and believe the truth, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is a person. Listen, truth is a person. Truth is a relationship of a divine revelation that God gives to us that we receive and believe and embrace in our hearts. That truth that dispels the lies is what sets us free to live in freedom and victory each and every day because of his resurrection that liberates us from all sin and all the lies of the evil one. So today, you've got to understand something, that we got to believe the truth. Because truth not only gives us the freedom, but truth ultimately is associated with integrity. That's the reason why not only is it important that we realize that we've got to believe the truth, but we've got to do the truth. One of the things that the Apostle Paul noticed as he was observing this Roman centurion, and back then, you know, a lot of these uh, people would wear togas. And they kind of had like, if you will, almost like a sheet. And... Um, what, what would happen is that these soldiers wore something very similar, but they would wear these belts, and they would put the belt around their waist. Well, what's interesting is that the belt that they wore basically held up all the other pieces of armor. It was somewhat integrated with all of the other pieces of armor, which is interesting because truth is also associated with integrity. And the word integrity basically means one unit. In other words, there are not basic different pieces of, 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 of truth in our lives that we get to pick and choose. No, it's integrated into every fiber of our being. It's integrated into every aspect of our lives. That's the reason why truth is associated with living a life of integrity. What is the opposite of integrity? It's knowing the truth but not doing the truth. And so therefore, what we have to do is not just believe it, but we got to live it. we got to actually do the truth. And so there is a phrase known as gird up your loins. So what does that mean? That simply means these soldiers who would have these togas, if you would, 
when, when they were trying to fight or they were trying to move, they were, they were held back by the length of the robe or the tunic, if you will, that they wore. And so as a result, what they would do is they would take the tunic and what they would do is they would take the bottom of it and they would tuck it inside of the belt. Why would they do that? To free them up. That's why when you know the truth, the truth will liberate you. It frees you up to be able to live your life the way God intended. So here's what's important. It's one thing to know about the truth. It's one thing to come to church on Sunday morning and say, Pastor, thank you for all that helpful information. And then go to work on Monday, denying what you heard, simply because you failed to put it into practice. I mean, we, we can do amen all day long, and I love amens. Amen? Come on, give me some amens. I mean, more the better for me. That gets me pumped up. But what good does it do for us to come and say, mmm, mmm, pastor, whew, man, that, that's good right there. That's good. Amen. Come on, come on. Give it to us today. Tell it like it is. Preach it, white boy. Come on, come on. Come on, bring, bring that heat. Come on, bring the fire today. Oh, we can, we can talk the talk. We can do all this stuff. But how are you treating your wife? How are you treating your kids? Students, how do you talk to your parents? How do you honor your mom and your dad? How do you respond to authority? What is coming out of your mouth? What do you think about? What are the things that you know you should do, but you don't? And what are the things that you don't do, that you know that you should? It's, it's, it's all of these conflicting things that we know the truth. We will even have the audacity to say we believe the truth. But how guilty are we of doing the truth? goes back to truth is associated with integrity. And that's what James 1 says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many of you want to be blessed? Man, we all want to be blessed, right? The only way we can be blessed is by taking the Word of God and applying it to our lives. I like to say it this way. Information without application is hallucination. So with that said, it's important that we put on the belt of truth. And how do we do it? By believing it and by doing it. And then thirdly, by standing for truth. This is so important. And I'm not going to unpack this because it really speaks for itself. Listen, we are living in a day and age of wokeism. We're living in a day and age where everybody is basically saying, well, all truth is subjective. All truth is relative. Hey, truth is all about your personal preference and opinion. Hey, own your own truth. You know, be true to you. Whatever you feel like doing. All that sounds great, sounds innocent, sounds, you know, like a good idea. But it's all a lie. And at some point, because we're not willing to stand, or to stand for truth, listen, every single thing that means something to you when it comes to your faith and your values and your family, you can just kiss it goodbye. You know why? Because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to take tr truth, he wants to pervert it, and he wants to turn truth and turn it into a lie. And when we believe it, we've lost everything. So at some point, we got to stand for truth. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Just like Daniel. He knew, listen, if he didn't stand for truth, they, they threatened to throw him into the lion's den. But guess what? They threw him in the lion's den, and the lions, all they did was meow at him. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were threatened to be thrown into a furnace of fire. When everybody else was bowing down 
to the popular opinion and culture of the day, guess what? They stood strong in their faith. Did it cost them something? Yes. But you know what? Even when they were thrown in the fire, guess what? There was a fourth figure in the fire. God's power and presence was with them even in a fiery furnace. And the same will be true with you. So don't be intimidated. Don't be fearful. Listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a, listen, a, 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 a power that has the ability to push back the lies of the evil one. And therefore, we got to share the truth. So how do we put on the belt of truth? We've got to believe it. We've got to do it. We've got to stand for it. And we've got to share it. This is so important. 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8. And I'll close with this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And it goes on to say, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. You know what breaks my heart? Every year, according to the Pine Tops Foundation, every year over one million young people abandon their faith. Only 4% of Generation Z claims to have what is referred to as a biblical worldview. In other words, when they look at the, the circumstances surrounding the world, all of the issues related to it, only 4% actually see all that stuff and process that stuff through the lens of the Bible. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that while we're in here, we have middle school and high school students meeting in the student cafe. We got children meeting in the cafeteria. And they're not babysitting kids. They are sowing into, they are investing in, and they are helping raise up the next generation so they won't walk out on their faith, so they don't abandon the church. I could speak an hour on this, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that weighs heavier on my heart than our next generation and our families. Because so goes the family, so goes the church, so goes the church, so goes the rest of the world. And the enemy knows if he can rob you of your family, your marriage, your kids, if he can destroy everything that is important to you, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, your future, he knows he's got you. Praise God that he's given us the good news, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, the truth to the world's problems. And that truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. God doesn't want us to hide it. He doesn't want us to be embarrassed about it. He doesn't want us to be ashamed of it. No, he wants us to boldly and yet lovingly Share the truth with coworkers, with neighbors, with classmates, with family members, with the waitress or waiter at the restaurant, with the clerk there checking out your groceries at the cashier, at Publix, wherever it is that you go, God wants us to share the good news. But here's the key. It's only good news if people hear it in time. And so God wants you and me to be in the business of being carriers of that truth and shares of that truth. The greatest single thing we could do to fill up these seats is just invite somebody back next week and just share them the truth. Speak the love, speak the truth in love and just say, hey, I just want you to know, man, I care, I care enough about you that I'd love to introduce you to something that I believe God could use to change your life. He could give you new hope, new beginnings. Just, just begin conversations and let God use you to share that truth to a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. I pray that today, if there are those in this room who are being held back from various strongholds in their life, For whatever reason, they are believing lies that are simply not true. But God, your truth 
would set them free. And God, I pray that today, as we continue for just a moment, if there are those in this service who are believers, but yet there are some strongholds, there are some, there are some things the enemy is using to defeat you, to discourage you, to hold you back, would you just tell God today, that you are claiming victory, that you are resisting the evil one, and you are standing on the promises, the truth of God today. May that truth liberate and set you free. Some of you here today, maybe you have fallen victim of the evil one who has tried to blind your mind from the truth and maybe today that truth divine revelation God has spoken to your heart and maybe for the first time you've opened up your eyes and you've opened up your mind to that truth and that truth has a name his name is Jesus who wants to come and take up residence in your heart forgive you of your sin so that you can have a relationship with him, so you can live in victory to experience the fullness, everything that God has for your life. If that's your desire today, if you're in the room or watching online, would you just pray this prayer? Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And by faith, I'm inviting you, Jesus, into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.